Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to that weird bit right in between Christmas and New Year where nobody has got a clue, even the foggiest, what day of the week or even what time of day it is. But when it comes to Premier League football, it does seem to be on and going every single day of the week. I've checked the calendar, which I was given by Santa a few days ago, and I'm confident-ish that it's the 28th of December and that is handy because when it comes to the Premier League the action never ever stops not even for Christmas they don't even take a break Jurgen Klopp and Alan Brazil have found themselves with some very different views on how Christmas should be spent and I think it's fair to say that Mr Klopp and Mr Brazil won't be having a pint together over New Year however the bods at the Premier League are keeping with the Christmas marathon of 2021 but as we all know Covid is still a massive feature in the Premier League fixture list with three Boxing Day games postponed and Aston Villa against Leeds and Wolves' trip to Arsenal both falling off the roster today. However, never fear, as there is still plenty to get through. In part one, we'll be reviewing last night's action as Manchester United drew away at Newcastle, and then in today's games, it was an impressive win for West Ham against Watford. In part two, it's the rest of today's action. Two other 3pm kickoffs. Crystal Palace cruised past Norwich, and Spurs drew against 10-man Southampton. And then in the spirit of the season, we're going to wrap something up for you in part three. Some major breaking transfer news for Manchester City fans. Ferran Torres has joined Barcelona. He will link up with the La Liga Giants from January 1st. And not to be outdone on the red half of the city, Anthony Martial is edging ever closer to an old Trafford exit. Right then, my name's Fergal Brennan and joining me we have a couple of Christmas crackers. BBC broadcaster and Mancunian hero, aka our kid, it is Dave Scott. Dave, how are you doing? I'm very good, Fergal. Thanks for having me on. Merry Christmas. 
Merry Christmas indeed. Merry Christmas. And you know what? I'm feeling very, very generous with my building. So I'm sticking with uh, with Mancunian Hero. And alongside Dave, we have the king of the ring wrestling podcast, Supremo and Manchester City fan, Ant McGinley. Ant, how are you doing? Um, ho, ho, ho. Happy as I can be at this time of year. Ho, 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 and a bottle of rum. Right, so Christmas is over, New Year is just around the corner, and the Premier League games are stacking on top of each other. And despite the postponements and the delays and issues with COVID over the last week or so, there's still plenty of games to get stuck into. Manchester United is where we're going to start, and we're going to go to you, Dave, to get your take as a United fan on this. Ralph Rangnick was not a happy bunny after this one last night. One all away at Newcastle, Edinson Cavani off the bench to... I would say rescue a draw for Manchester United because they struggled for big swathes of this up at St. James's. And Rangnick, very straightforward in his post-match, he said, I did not like this performance at all. There was too many mistakes. We lacked energy. We lacked concentration. We didn't win enough second balls. This is a real point of concern. Would you agree with Ralph on this? Watching the game last night, Newcastle looked really good. Good value to probably go on and win it. And if it wasn't for Cavani popping up with that late goal, it could have been the first Premier League defeat for uh, for Ralph. Yeah, definitely. We, we didn't even deserve a draw. Uh, a, a draw was a fantastic Christmas present after that woeful performance. And I think you'd be you'd struggle to find anyone who disagreed with Ralph's comments regarding the performances because it was just an absolute shambles and it just harked back to the same performances we've seen against uh, Watford under Solskjaer. Uh, and I think it just shows the, the scale of the job that Ralph Rangnick's got at Old Trafford for however long he's there. He's only the interim manager. So maybe, what, six months to try and turn it around. But it just seemed to be the sloppy passing. Um, we'll talk about the Gary Neville whinge bags, but we've seen this. It isn't a new thing regarding sort of Fernandez throwing his hands in the air every two seconds like he's advertising outside a car wash in Britain. You know, the inflatable things. That's what it reminds me <laughs> That's what it, that's what it reminds me of. Um, and it's just, it, it just, it's just embarrassing. I really felt, I mean, I didn't feel for Newcastle fans, but if they'd, they, they, they'd have got three nil, if they'd have got three points yesterday, it would have been very much deserved. Um, very little to take away from the game, uh, except for with Cavani coming on and I thought Sancho was all right. But I think it's quite telling that it just to show Manchester United's transfer policy over the last nine years since Ferguson's retired, the best player at our club is a goalkeeper that he signed over 15 years ago. I mean, we're going to talk, as you say, about the, the whinge bags in just a second. But in terms of the performance and in terms of the reaction that, that Rangnick did mid-game, he did change things at half-time. He took off Fred and he took off Greenwood. Cavani came on, scored the goal. Sancho came on and made a, a real difference out wide in terms of trying to exploit Newcastle. But there were concerns within the performance that United just were not able to get a grip on Newcastle. And this is a Newcastle side that have found it tough going, despite Eddie Howe coming in and that little bit of an initial bounce and all this confidence that in January they might go out and spend big money and bring in these big players to, to St James's Park. Newcastle, as you say, look good value for this. All the attacking stats were in their favour. Shots, shots on target, XG, touches in the final third. All of that was rolling for Newcastle. It was only really the Cavani chance that United created. And then, as you say, in injury time, De Gea pops up with two massive saves. So things have looked good under Rangnick so far. He has brought a bit of steadiness to the to the United ship. Obviously, Michael Carrick did okay on an interim basis. But United know what their objectives are this season. And these types of results, as you say, will have people kind of harking back to the final few days of, of Solskjaer. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting when you say what his objectives are, because I think... 
when you look at the league table as it stands now, there's probably the only fourth spot where United, Spurs, uh, West Ham and Arsenal are fighting for that because I don't, I, don't, I don't think anyone's getting close to, to the other three positions. Uh, are, we, are we good enough to, to get to that? And I don't know. And I think the problem that Ralph's got is that he's... I mean, it couldn't be more chalk and cheese. He's very sort of structured and sort of... Um, analytical in terms of the football that he wants to play that we don't all know about the gang impressing and you've got to contrast that for the last three years we've had United players who have been playing at the like uh, I don't know Butlins FC you know they've been, they've been able to do whatever they want uh, and now it seems to yeah lads you've got to try and play a new type of football six months doesn't seem a long enough time for me so I don't think we could get top four with, with the way we're playing but I think that he's trying to direct them in a way or be a bit of a buffer really for whoever's going to come in the summer we're going to give you a position to have a bit of a whinge about the whinge bags. Uh, any United fans or any Premier League fans that have missed this uh, whinge bag gate or whinge gate, Gary Neville had a bit of a crack at Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo after the game. He said he was annoyed and disappointed that they were throwing their hands around and protesting every decision and, and not acting like the experienced, decorated professionals that they are, particularly Ronaldo. And then that was added to at full time that they just went off the pitch at St James's Park, didn't go over to the travelling fans to clap. And they've got a lot of criticism both of them Fernandez and Ronaldo Ronaldo is someone that has come into this United team there's always going to be polarisation in terms of what he does what his output is he is still banging in goals didn't get himself one yesterday but he's still United's main goal threat so far this season but Neville's comments show that he described them as United's most senior players probably their highest earning players or certainly amongst the highest earning players at Old Trafford and this is not a good look particularly what Rangnick wants to bring in, this idea of a really solid unit, everyone pulling in the right direction. You've got your two star men acting like children during the game and then acting even more childish by just storming off when the whistle goes. Yeah, I mean, I understand it sort of from Gary Neville's point of view. And I mean, I've got friends who went up there to St. James's Park and I think no matter the, the performance, the players should always go over to, to the fans and, and thank them for, you know, for the, for the travelling that they're doing. But to call Ronaldo a whinge bag, we wouldn't be in the next round of the Champions League if it wasn't for Ronaldo's goals or performances in the Champions League. So is, is Gary Neville all of a sudden forgetting that now, now that, he, that, that Ronaldo's playing under a different manager? Fernandez is a different kettle of fish because he's had an absolutely terrible season. Uh, the, the football that he's playing this year, it just seems to be, I'll just try 70 passes and maybe one of them will come off. And his, he was at fault, I think, more than any other United player yesterday for, for losing, the, losing the ball. So if you're going to put that, that performance, then you shouldn't be looking around to blame on anybody else. You should you know, be, be the weight's on your own shoulders. You should be leading by example. If you're going to have a whinge bag in your team, you want it to be Ronaldo, don't you? Because if, he, if he's not having a good day today, he's got every right to sort of turn around. He can't do everything all the time. All right, he's Superman to an extent. But any human being is going to be frustrated when you're putting shift in after shift. And like I said, got us through that next round of the Champions League. But you've got to look around and other people have got to be accountable. And I think that's where the frustration comes through. Was it right for him to storm off the pitch and not say thanks to the fans? Perhaps, but I think, again, that just goes down to the sort of calibre of player and the success that he's had. Uh, but Fernandez, it's, it's two different arguments for me. For me. Fernandez had no right to be whinging, whereas I think Ronaldo's maybe earned himself a little bit of uh, grace with it. 
There you go. You got to be, you got to earn your corn to be a whinge bag. Before we move on uh, <laughs> to the West Ham game, and to just want to ask you about Newcastle. Obviously, Eddie Howe's Eddie Howe must just be cursing his luck, whatever he's been doing in the last few months, because it doesn't really seem to be getting wheels under it so far at Newcastle. Just that one win against Burnley since he took charge, and you look at his comments after the game. That pretty much mirrors how he must be feeling. Praise the players. He said, "I can't play, praise the players enough. It was an excellent performance. I'm so so pleased. We deserve to win." And you get that horrible feeling of not getting what you deserve at full time that's probably the tail of the tape and, and Dave admitted that even from a United fans point of view but there can only be so many of these press conferences where Eddie Howe says we deserve to win we deserved more from this game Newcastle halfway through the season they've got 11 points on the board they're second from bottom looking at that they're probably going to need about 25 to 30 points between now and the end of the campaign to make sure they stay in the Premier League it's all well and good these types of performances but if you let in those goals ultimately you're probably only heading in one direction for a moment then I thought you were going to say they're going to need 25 to 30 players in the transfer window which I must think, say I think they is could a little do. harsh um, yeah I, I, and to compound, compound matters as well uh, they lost Colin Wilson just before half time in in that match, and it looks like he could be out for quite a while with that, which is not great because he's he's only really started to get back to full fitness after being out for such a long time before. And then Alan Maximan, who's who struggled with injury, um, had a you know great great opening goal, chance to get the second, he just didn't connect with it well enough. Who really sort of lights that team up? Um, it's interesting actually when when you compare the two, there seems to be a real difference in terms of when when you look at the teams and I know uh, without sort of going over the territory that, that David was saying and we've heard all the other pundits talking about the United players but the Newcastle players are really playing for their for their lives at the moment not just to stay in the league but also for their position because we know they're going to be very busy we don't know exactly how what form that's going to take or who's going to come in but there will be activity in that transfer window and Although it hasn't transferred into the results necessarily, we have seen some changes in that side and and, and those things that are, that are happening. I mean, I think for me, the and, and and probably for a lot of fans as well, the degree that the the just transformation of Joel Linton in the last few games has been superb, and so he's effectively moved from being a striker who didn't score goals to playing in a number eight position where he seems very confident and very assured, and the. You know, the, the, again, it just seems to be blow after blow after blow, and I'm sure it must feel like for the Magpies fans, it's you just getting over that, getting over that line to January the first to see what can happen and, and can bring things in. As you say, though, Fergal, with 11 points at this stage, is it going to be enough? I mean, they're, they're only a point ahead of Norwich. The, you know, statistically, you know, when you go back over the years of the Premier League, it's very unlikely that Norwich are going to uh, stay up and survive. I think. The only plus points for Newcastle really at the minute is that they're still within touch. You know, they're still one win away from getting out of the bottom three. Um, it's just a little bit convoluted though with the table being the way it is because all four teams immediately out of the uh, the relegation zone have games in hand, as do Burnley, who have, I think, about four games in hand at the moment as well. Uh, we're going to move on to today's games. West Ham against Watford. 4-1 win for West Ham away at Watford. And Dave, this was an important one for West Ham. They lost on Boxing Day. Things have been a little bit sticky for them in, in December across all competitions. Obviously bowed out at the Carabao Cup against Tottenham. They have squeezed through in Europe, but they kind of last couple of group games were a little bit sticky. And 
that result against Chelsea uh, at the start of December you thought probably would kickstart them on and, and look to get back to that early season form but it's been tough for them and uh, they, they needed this today and they needed it for certain players right the way through the team Thomas Suchek who's not been the goal scoring force that he was last season got himself a goal side Ben Rama got him first goal in a little while Mark Noble I think possibly his first goal of the season these are all really positive signs these are players clicking back into form just at the point that, that David Moyes will want them to but the person I want to focus on is Jared Bowen because this was another brilliant performance for him right at the heart of everything that West Ham did well two assists he had a goal chalked off for pretty tight offside by VAR and when you look at his numbers and compared to some of the big players in the Premier League so far this season big chances created only Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold beat him goals for a midfielder he's second highest and for assists again it's the same situation only Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold that have beaten him he's in really really good company West Ham fans Jim and all the rest of them won't appreciate me saying this but looking at his data looking at his performances he's only rated at about 30 to 35 million he has got a long contract at the London Stadium but other teams will be looking at Jared Bowen and thinking he is a real player if they don't get into the top four we might be interested in him yeah, definitely. He's an absolutely fantastic player. And the way he picked out uh, Thomas Suchik today for the, uh, I think it was the equaliser, um, was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and, and I do think that it really epitomises the sort of football that David Moyes and West Ham are playing this season. So if they were to lose him, uh, you don't know how much it had set back their, their team. But West Ham, you know, it, after their performances of late, going 1-0 down to Watford, it could have been a little bit of a kick in the teeth and they did really well to sort of come back and then really lay it into to Watford. So they'll be pushing on now to the top four. So I think there's a lot of it riding whether they keep players like Rice or, or, or Bowen uh, in the summit if they do get top four football. But yeah, he was sensational again today. And I thought uh, Ben Rama as well was, was a brilliant, as well after he's had a bit of a dip in form. And looking at the situation with Bowen, whether there's a potential big money bid, probably not in January, more likely to, to come in the summer based on how West Ham finished the season. There is this idea that he's stepped up a couple of levels, kicked up a couple of gears in the last six or 12 months. And as I say, obviously, Trent and, and Salah are the two players that are above him in most of those big uh, most, most of those big categories in terms of Premier League action. But where do you see him in terms of his position in the Premier League compared to other wingers? You look at City, there's someone like Mares or Sterling. Manchester United have got Sancho who's starting to come into the team. Arsenal with Smith-Rowe and, and Saka. Based on his form, based on his numbers, he, he deserves to be in that company. Do you think he is there yet? Do you think there's maybe a bit more to go? Or do you think we are starting to see someone developing into a Champions League level player? Yeah, I think that in terms of uh, if we're looking at my, my own club, it definitely sort of fit in there when we're talking later on about Martial going uh, and then playing on the wing. Uh, I know Sancho's come and can play on both wings. So I'd, I'd love to take him at, at Old Trafford. It might be better for him as a career the way we're going that he stays at West Ham and plays Champions League or Europa League, fo Europa League football. But yeah, and you look at uh, what might happen in the summer regarding uh, Liverpool with Salah. There's rumours that he, he could go in the summer somewhere else and um, Arsenal look like they're building a, a young team. So there's opportunities there uh, for him to play along alongside in them big teams. I'm pretty sure West Ham would want to, to keep holding them, uh, push forward, like I said, again with Rice and that. But yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the best in the league in his position at the moment. 
Just a quick look at Watford before we take a break. And Claudio Ranieri, nicest guy in football, or probably the nicest guy definitely in, in Premier League football. But things are not nice or pretty for Watford fans at the moment. It's, it's pretty dire, it's pretty dreadful. Five straight defeats in the Premier League. And this was another one that, that Ranieri in his post-match just couldn't really throw his hat on in terms of explaining how or where it went wrong for them. And we talked about Newcastle just a second ago and the position that they find themselves at the halfway stage. Watford do have a couple of games to go because they've had some postponements because of Covid but 17 games in 13 points on the board they're only just outside the relegation zone Burnley have got a stack of games in hand you'd imagine if they get something from that that'll mean that Watford then drop into the bottom three and the signs don't look good there's some positives obviously Dennis is generally still scoring goals but right the way through the rest of the team there's big big problems and you find them looking difficult to talk them out or make a case that they'll come out of a, a relegation danger between now and the end of the season exactly and um unfortunately you know he, he hasn't got great form in terms of battling relegation Ranieri coming in there so it's it's a difficult time because uh, as you say Den Dennis is such an incredible footballer such a great uh, goal that opened the scoring it could have been a completely different result and conversation that we were having here tonight um the ability he seems so calm and relaxed on the ball um taking taking the shot and also on then you're looking at West Ham's recent form you thought this was all set up for a great you know late Christmas present for the Watford fans but again it just seems to crumble and it was almost as if West Ham went up another gear and, and Watford didn't have an answer for that and I think that's really the the worrying sign you know it, it, they're, they're not like a team that are just I mean, we'll, we'll come on to Norwich later, but, you know, in, in many ways, Norwich just seem to be rolling over at the minute. You know, Watford go out and they, they, they have some teeth and they can do some damage, but then it's just once they once they drop behind, it seems to be there's not a lot there for them. And and the, the possible danger is, is that somebody could come along like a Newcastle uh, or, you know, many of other clubs out there you know, and, 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 and get their hands on Dennis. And then it's like, well... You know, Joshua King isn't really firing as much as he was previously. You know, th there's real worries. And, you know, if, if they're starting to sort of look at building their team around, you know, just having that one player that, that they're so reliant on, which, you know, that, that end of the table, you need all the goals you can. So it's easy to easy to fall into that. But it's, it is, I think that's it's the worst possible start to the new year for them because, yes, they've got a couple of games in hand, but they're just hovering around that, that position. They know that Newcastle are going to go out and spend money. Most people don't think that Burnley are, are, are going to go down. They've got so many games in hand on any, everybody at the minute as well. So it is real squeaky bum time for them down there as well, and especially when they look to Ranieri. And, and I think, sadly, you know, you've just got to look back at this season so far. We're halfway through the season. And we've already seen several managers given the boot after losing five games in a row. So, especially with the history that Watford have got as well, it wouldn't be a surprise to see that change happen again as soon as the end of next month. I agree. It's a worrying time to be a Watford fan and going into the January transfer market when you've got Newcastle, who, according to Marley, are going to sign Mbappe. It's going to be difficult for Claudio Ranieri to battle against that. Right, we're going to grab a quick break. After the break, it's the rest of today's games. Crystal Palace, 3-0 at home to Norwich, who we mentioned there with Ant are really, really struggling as it stands. And Tottenham, Harry Kane continued his goal-scoring form, but it wasn't enough. A point against 10-man Southampton. All that to come in just a second. 
Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. And as always, despite it being Christmas, despite it edging towards New Year, here at Football Social Daily, we have a daily Premier League podcast. If you click subscribe on this episode, you can get access to a brand new show every single day as soon as it is ready. Right, before the break, we looked at last night's action and today's action with West Ham winning against Watford and Manchester United drawing up at Newcastle. Let's look at today's games. Dave, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Crystal Palace, three goals, three points, all pretty straightforward against a, a very, very poor and struggling Norwich side. Palace will focus on them first because that's the positive that's the win that's the three points a little bit of a, wo- a wobbly November um, for Patrick Vieira and his side three straight defeats building towards Christmas but they've got themselves back on the horse over the festive period seven points from four games puts them in the top half they've edged up to ninth in the table today three goals in the first 45 minutes just killed this off Edward with a penalty Matete and Jeff Schlupp making sure and the question that I want to ask with, with Palace building into the second half of the season, everyone's getting their half-term reports. Patrick Vieira has been called in for parents evening just to, to see how he's getting <laughs> on. Palace are in a strong position. They're ninth. They're probably on the edge of the European conversation. Now the focus comes in the next few months of have they got it in them to push on and challenge to maybe go for Europa League or Europa Conference League? Or are they just going to drift away a nice, steady, stable, almost Roy Hodgson-style Crystal Palace finish to the to the campaign? Well, I imagine fans will probably want the to go for Europa Conference or Europa League uh, positions. But I thought it was really encouraging yesterday, and you can say it was bottom of the league uh, Norwich that they were playing against. Uh, but you've, they were without Wilfred Zaha, and there's always a question mark. For the last time I was on this podcast, we were talking about can Palace be the team that they are without Zaha building, you know, and yesterday, and to, yesterday they were, was it, oh sorry, early on today, they were playing uh, without him and also Conor Gallagher, who I think has been a fantastic player this season. He didn't play today uh, and they still went on to, to win 3-0. Uh, I thought that was really impressive. So I, I think they can kick on. I think it'll be a better second half of the season than they used to under Roy Hodgson. Vieira's gone in there and his influence uh, in terms of the attacking football that Palace are playing has been really evident. I think they're scoring, I think it's nine successive games on the bounce they've, um, they've scored at Sellers part now. Uh, so he's playing a lot more attacking football with intent. I don't think Vieira's gone in there with wanting to just hang around uh, Hodgsonville, we'll call the middle of the park, <laughs> maybe. And he wants to go on to, to challenge for Europa spots. <laughs> yeah. Looking at the situation with Palace, and they are right in that bracket of when Roy Hodgson was there, they were almost, with a little asterisk next to it, guaranteed Premier League survival. We knew that by February, March time, that you know he'd get the calendar out and he'd plan to make sure that they hit enough points to make sure that they were safe. Part of the reason that he was, let's say, eased out of Crystal Palace and a young manager like Patrick Vieira has come in is to change perceptions, but also to change objectives. Crystal Palace can can spin their wheels for the next 10 years in the Premier League and, and be safe and be stable and just keep ticking over and collecting the TV money and being a relatively well-worn, func- functioning Premier League club. Or they can push a bit. And Vieira, based on the start that he's made, based on the changes that he's tried to bring in, has set his stall out that he wants to raise the bar. The players have reacted positive, positively, particularly the likes of Gallagher, Zaha, who's back amongst the goals, and obviously he missed out today because of suspension. 
have they got it in them? Do they have right the way through the squad? Do they have the key positions covered? Do they score enough goals? Do they keep enough shutouts to make sure that they can do it between now and the end of April? I think, well, first of all, if I could just pick up on your earlier um, uh, metaphor of uh, Patrick Vieira going to parents' <laughs> evening. Can you imagine being a teacher and having him no. come in? You wouldn't say anything bad at all, would you? <laughs> um, you know what? It, it's been... I, I think in some ways the, the stat that says a lot for me about about where they are right now is we're at the midpoint of this season and the, their goal difference is, is level, it's zero. You know, and, and I, I think it's been been a while since we've seen that. And, and you know, they, they, they've been turned over a couple of times uh, by the likes of Chelsea, but they've also had a couple of big wins like this. And of course, let's remember the last time that the, the league leaders lost um, this season was at home to Crystal Palace 2-0. And, you know, they've still got players to, to come in. Eze's been struggling with injury, uh, who's a great player, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him when he when he gets back in with his side. And uh, as David said right there, you know, nailed it completely. You know, to go out and do this, yes, it's against bottom of the table Norwich, who are having a dreadful time at the moment. But to get this win and a convincing win and to play the type of football that they're doing without their talisman and let's be honest he, he really was the talisman you know it was who, who everything went through and i it's it's a real joy to see this transformation that's happening there obviously i've got an affinity for Vieira um as as a man city fan for the time that he spent with us and it's great to see him doing well he was obviously working through the coaching system at, at city as well and went out to new york and, and worked through different clubs and just things have taken him in a different direction but he's he seems to be really building something there, which I think is nice because, you know, the last few seasons, it's just been firefighting, really. Hodgson came in when, you know, they had that terrible start to the season a few years back where it was like seven seven or eight games in, they'd lost all their games. Um, there was that famous example where they had their own goal of the month competition and they'd only scored <laughs> one goal. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, so it, it's a completely different, and 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 also not only is it the the players that that they've brought in, like like Edward who got the penalty today because he was uh, deputising for um, Zaha being off, but but the way Edward plays in that team as well, he, he's creating a lot of chances. Uh, he had a hand in all the goals as well, not necessarily assists, but the way he was playing, building up to those goals. They they move they they look like a really dangerous side when they're going forward, and it's exciting to see that. And and I, I imagine that given the, you know the last few seasons, it's almost been a guarantee that you were going to get them in the bottom six of, of the table, bottom six, bottom seven. To see them now, when they're ab- above Leicester in the table, you know, and and sort of on the heels of Manchester United, what a great place for them to be. And absolutely, I I think. Vieira is is a man who's who's taken a challenge here. He's really come in, um, and and it was challenging in so many ways. Remember, you know the t- the team that we had last season, about eighty percent of them left the club, they were out of contract, and it's been a complete rebuilding project. And at the minute, it's working, and I really hope it continues to work because I, for one, would like to see them continue in this way. It's going to be a bit up and down. It's going to be a roller coaster. I think. You know, they'll they'll it won't be easy. There's no guarantee that they're going to qualify for European places, but they're definitely at this moment in the conversation. 
There's two things I'd say about Vieira and Crystal Palace before we move on to Norwich. Patrick Vieira, it does always amaze me, City fans trying to claim him. Former Manchester City legend Patrick Vieira. I think he kind of, I think he did all right at another Premier League team that he played for, but we won't we won't bring that up on this podcast. <laughs> what I'd also say about Palace, I think a big, big standout stat for them is draws in terms of the amount of games they draw. They've drawn eight so far this season. Only Southampton have drawn more, drawing nine. There's two teams in the bottom three that have drawn eight. And when you look at the teams above them, there's just nowhere near it. The majority of teams above them haven't even drawn three or four games. So that could potentially come back to bite Vieira later on in the season. That little issue they had at the start of the campaign of, of turning draws into wins, which eventually did kind of even itself out, but could possibly be their undoing in the new year. Right, just a quick look at Norwich before we move on. Dave, we're joking there before about one goal a month and that winning the goal of the month competition. Obviously, we said with Watford before the break and the, the dreadful run of form therein. Norwich's situation is, is very, very worrying. Based on the form under Dean Smith, a little bit of positivity in the early days, five points in his first three games, but they've lost five in a row now. Daniel Fark lost six in a row at the start of the season, which eventually cost him his job. Norwich won't want to rock the boat and sack another manager because that's pretty much saying we are down, we're well aware that we're down, this is all damage limitation. They've only scored one goal in the last seven in the Premier League and that was obviously Timu Puki. Things are looking dreadful because everywhere they turn, every situation where you think maybe they could get something here, a scrappy point or maybe even nick a win, nothing is working for them at the moment. No, uh, and I don't see it turning the corner anytime soon. I mean, it'd be absolutely ridiculous to get rid of Dean Smith uh, this season because I think everybody in the league, Norwich fans themselves, can admit that they're, they're going to go down. But the the statistics against them, you were talking earlier on regarding Palace scoring one goal a month. What is it, five games in succession without scoring a goal and they've conceded 14 in that time? Um, and it, it does seem to be getting a little bit of a toxic atmosphere down there. I know some of them were having a go at Gilmore uh, earlier on today, but some of the Norwich fans were also singing, let's pretend we've scored a goal uh, to try and to try and jeer themselves up for, through what's going to be a really difficult uh, end of the season. But I don't, I, damage limitation, what, what, what classes is damage limitation in Norwich's position now then, Fergal? Not breaking the points low record. I honestly think it is, it's that bad. I think that that honestly, that's you know, I take no pleasure in this. Norwich fans, if they're listening, or Watford fans before the break, I think given the situation that we're in now, that that is actually an objective, and I think it does start to creep into players' minds and coaches' minds. Of nobody wants that record because it comes up in quizzes, it comes up in podcasts where people try and get smart when they talk about these things, and it, and it does. And it hurts pride, it hurts confidence, and. These are things that can damage reputations for players, managers, and even for clubs. And things do look pretty dire for Norwich. I just think it's probably going to be a case of playing for pride in, in the months to come because they can't win a game. They can't even score a goal. Things things are really looking bad for them. Um, we're going to move on to the other game today. Southampton uh, against Tottenham. 10-man Southampton. They played the whole second half with 10 men after Mo Salisu was sent off. And... Looking at Southampton first, before we go on to Tottenham, things have not been massively exciting for Southampton, but nice and steady, not losing a lot of games. They've drawn a stack of games in December, got a big win on Boxing Day away at West Ham. Cracking game that was, really, really enjoyable to watch. And 
this was a bit of a gut check time for them. They were down to 10 men, up against Kane, who's back in form. Son, Mora came off the bench to add a bit to them. And they dug in and they got the result. This could have easily been getting turned over. Kane gets a goal, 3-1, 4-1, and Southampton go home with a, a bit of a, a red face. This was important that they hung on and got themselves a point, particularly against the Tottenham side that are starting to come back into it under Conte. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that Tottenham are kind of flying a little bit at the moment under Conte as well. And so for Southampton to do that well, it, it does make me wonder if uh, following recent seasons where they've had huge thumpings after having somebody sent off, they've done a lot of work on that on the training ground. That This is what happens so we don't get embarrassed if, if we have a man sent off. And I thought it was a, a terrific performance from Southampton. In fact, the, the last couple of games... And all right, you know, it, it's not glorious, but they're looking at five points from their last couple of games over this period where the games are coming thick and fast. And this was probably the, the most difficult of them all in terms of what they were up against. I think they were they were fortunate. Um, I'm sure we'll come to that in a minute with, with some of the VAR decisions that were in there. Um, interesting also for me that the, the red card itself was the third or fourth we've seen in the last sort of two weeks which has been, you know, two yellow cards in quick succession. And um, I wonder if uh, once this is absorbed, we'll start to see people sort of starting to take that on board a little bit more and being aware that this seems to be a bit of a, a, a trend at the minute with the referees. But I think, you know, Hassan Hootel is one of those managers who's, who's praised a lot for what he does without, not always from the outside looking in, seeming to get the results. But I think... In terms of where they are and what they're doing, I think that's 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 a brilliant result. That's a really great result for them to get, um, especially as uh, was it in the first half that they lost him? Yeah, right before the break, just a couple of minutes beforehand. Yeah, and and you know at that point, you I'm sure you would have got great odds for for Tottenham just steamrolling them. And I I don't think it was, as I say, there was a couple of VAR decisions that that got in the way, you know, and and, and Tottenham fail to take the chances but it was a brilliant performance um, from Southampton and yeah I, I think they're going to be very pleased that they've got through this this period of, of games coming thick and fast uh, with the results that they've got Looking at the situation with Tottenham and specifically Harry Kane, Dave, in terms of his form this season, he's been right under the microscope even before a ball was kicked in 21-22 in because all the controversy over the summer, would he go to Manchester City, would he stay at Tottenham? Eventually he stayed at Tottenham, I think to be realistic, it was it was through gritted teeth and his form has suffered as a result. Obviously the situation with Nuno Santo at the start of the campaign wasn't ideal, you definitely get the sense that he wasn't overly happy with, with Santo's strategy and what he was trying to do and Conte has taken a little bit of a time to, to get the best out of Kane, but looking at his record in the last few weeks, back-to-back -back goals in three Premier League games, he does look to be edging back to form, but there's still a few bits maybe that need to be worked on because we, we're talking about someone who for the last four or five seasons has been one of the best, if not the best finisher in the Premier League. These things do take time, even for players that are on Kane's level. If you're looking at this as a Spurs fan, are you confident now that he is getting back to his best, that his best form, Harry Kane at his supreme goal-scoring best, is not too much further away? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's not. It's never a case of them just sort of flicking a switch and saying, oh, well, one manager's gone, I didn't like him, here's a new one, I'll just start playing well again. It, obviously, strikers play on confidence and when they are getting goals, that breeds more confidence and the evidence is in the last few games. And Harry Kane had another good game today. He could have scored twice. I thought his performance was pretty decent. And it's not just in his goal scoring either. When you when you saw him under Santos, when the when the City manager, uh, when, sorry, when the City move didn't come off, it was his whole demeanour and body language. And this is the captain of a football club. And I can't imagine the sort of embarrassment that he had to come back off holiday and go into that changing rooms and try to say to a lot of lads that he was trying to leave behind. And I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm going to play again. So it's a whole morale thing around that that needs to turn the corner. But under Conte, he's looked a hell of a lot better player. And today's game, whilst the draw, especially with um, Southampton going down to 10 men, may have been sort of the, the, would have wanted to get the three points. It did come, at, what is it, 45 hours, 46 hours after they played the previous game. So, you know, I think Conte now is uh, Spurs' most successful manager for the first opening seven games. Am I right in that saying that? He's not been beat as he in the first in the first seven games. Uh, so it, it, I think based on his record so far, yeah. yeah. So I think that that's you know that that that's really positive, and you've got to look it into the uh, January transfer window. Are Spurs going to spend any money again? That's another conundrum. Opening Daniel Levy's pockets in January, but who knows what's going to happen there? But yeah, it it, it, does, it is a, it is looking positive for the future under Conte and Harry Kane. Indeed, if Harry Kane comes back, the rest of the Premier League better watch out. And who knows, Ant, Manchester City might just go back for him in January if he starts banging in the goals. Speaking of transfers, that is exactly... Yeah, that's what happened with Mares a few years exactly, ago. Exactly, exactly. Look how good I am, look how good I am. Don't forget how good I am. My name's Harry <laughs> Kane. That could be uh, what we see in January. We are going to grab a quick break and we are going to be talking transfers. We're not talking about Harry Kane. He got enough attention over the summer, but we are talking about Manchester City. Ferran Torres has a left the Etihad Stadium he is going to be signing for Barcelona in a £47 million move we're going to be getting Ant's take on that whether he thinks Pep is making the right call or not and then we're going to be getting Dave's view on Anthony Martial the French international looks almost certain to leave Manchester United in January we're going to be discussing what could be happening with him in the weeks to come Football's Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. And we are sandwiched, turkey sandwiched, into the middle of Christmas and New Year. But Premier League action continues to roll. And here at FSD Towers, we are with you every step of the day. You know the drill. Click subscribe on this episode and you can get access to a brand new show as soon as it's ready. We are here right the way through the festive period right transfers the January transfer window is just days away from swinging open Marley and Newcastle fans are waiting to see whether it's going to be Mbappe or Haaland or maybe they'll treat themselves and buy both Manchester City have got their business done a little bit early this time in fact they've actually started before the window opens so Ant I want to get your take on this we talked about it on last week's show it got covered a little bit in midweek as well Ferran Torres is returning to La Liga after joining Barcelona that's been confirmed £47 million fee it's almost double what City paid Valencia for him about 18 months to two years ago so I'll be really honest I said this the last time we talked about it and I still stick by this I don't understand 
the logic behind this. I know a lot of City fans just have this idea that in Pep we trust. Whatever he says goes. If he thinks this is the right move, then he must have you know a plan further down the line. But Torres's numbers before getting injured were good. Seven goals last season in 24 games in the Premier League. Two in four so far this season. The whole idea of City not signing a nine over the summer almost was kind of negated by Torres's form. He was able to play wide through the middle, scored goals, created stuff. Obviously, the injury changed the situation. But he's still a very, very good player. And for me, this just seems to have been done very, very quickly. And there's also a little bit of Guardiola saying, well, if any player wants to leave, then they're as good as gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's all sorts of uh, varying factors that play in this situation. And towards the end of last season, I was, you know, raising the the cheers for 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 him to possibly even replace Aguero down the middle because you know Aguero was leaving. There was, you know, especially when it, the Harry Kane deal didn't come off. And if you remember, towards the end of last season, he's got that great hat trick against. Um, against Newcastle he scored a couple of outrageous goals the back heel flick I can't remember who that was against uh, but the, the when it comes down to it you know through injury but even before injury he, w- he was struggling to get into the squad I mean when you look at his his stats and his appearances for Man City just in the last 18 months he's played almost as many times for Spain as he has for the first team uh, City and you know, so I think that's it. That says a lot. Um, I mean, the the thing is, he, his performances for Spain have been unbelievable. I think he's uh, his average is just over a goal a game when he's uh, a goal every other game when he's playing for Spain. Um, uh, and obviously, he got that brilliant hat trick against Germany as well. I think there could also be other factors in this as well in terms of you know when uh, when we got rid of. Uh, Leroy Sane there was a lot of questions about that because he was a fantastic player to watch but then uh, it's taken him a little while to rediscover his form at Bayern um, and there was an element of that in Pep we trust with that move I think with with this you know there, there could be an element of remember it's not that long ago it's been lost in all the Covid and all those things that happened but it's not that long ago that that City had a lot of questions asked about um, the financial fair play and you know, in terms of like a return on this, this is, I mean, this is a better return than you'd maybe be getting on Bitcoin in the last two years. Um, as you said, I think we signed it for twenty million, and and going for forty forty four. Um, I th- I think that the the thing that doesn't seem to make sense at all is is when we brought him in, we gave him David Silva's shirt, you know, that number twenty one. And okay, maybe it's not as symbolic as the number seven at Manchester United, but I think that said a lot, and this was an investment for the future and. You know, he, he he didn't hit the ground running. He wasn't playing every game. But then we we've seen similar development with the likes of Phil Foden. Is is the the one the example that people talk about the most. So I think there was an assumption that this was something for the future. Uh, I I think possibly the introduction of Jack Grealish has added to this, especially with Grealish being moved around and playing in different positions, and also again coming back to the financial fair play because the outlay for that Grealish transfer. This will go a long way to to biting into that. So Torres has left City, joined Barcelona. Obviously, this is not going to be fully signed off with him standing at the, the new camp with a Barcelona shirt until next week because we need to wait for the window to open. But this is not gossip. It is done. Torres is 
out. He's gone back to Spain and will join Xavi's Barcelona. Um, looking on the other side of the city, over to Old Trafford, Dave, there is a big story, not as tied up as the Torres deal to Barcelona, but Anthony Martial wants out of Manchester United. Ralph Rangnick has confirmed that he's had a couple of meetings with him and his agent in the last week, and he said that he wants a change, he wants to leave Manchester United, and I just want to get your your position on this because he he does polarise United fans that I speak to in terms of what they make of him and there seems to be an almost I I I would say this as well with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang at Arsenal there seems to be a pre-contract and a post-contract version of these players signed that big deal at the start of 2019 he was in red hot form at the end of 1920 that was his best season as a United player 23 goals in all competitions and he looked ready to kind of realise the potential of the player that was bought from, from Monaco all those years ago but the return since then yes he has had issues with injury has been pretty poor he scored five Premier League goals in nearly two years which is pretty pretty worrying as a record Sevilla and Juventus are both reportedly interested in a loan deal but they'll only cover 50% of his wages United as it stands want a full loan coverage and if possible a loan fee how does Rangnick handle this it's obviously difficult for him because his own position at the club is not absolutely secure is he going to extend and stay longer than the initial six months that was proposed is there a plan for him to move upstairs will he stay on if he does well at United and gets them into the Champions League and Martial is almost a symbol of this uncertainty that he wants out, but United won't let him go unless the deal suits them. Yeah, I think that it's quite telling that uh, we're struggling to find someone who'll take him and pay the wages or pay the money that United uh, want for him. And I don't think that's because United are being greedy. I just don't think that... I think it's a risk that any club that'll take him. I think uh, in leagues where... Defence isn't as um, it's not such as physical a game as it is in England. So if you're looking at maybe um, in Spain or if he goes back to to France, he may excel more. But I mean, when you look at his career, I think he's been there seven years now, and he's whilst he, his stats isn't great, he he may have been a victim as well about the the many sort of managers we've had in that time. I think maybe one of his best seasons actually came uh, under under Mourinho uh, as well as the other season that you were talking about. But he's never really set the world alight for me. And I, I understand when you were talking about the comparisons with Obama Young and some Arsenal fans because I've never got it. I've never understand, understood the the sort the, the the cult that's known as Martial FC on Twitter. If you dare call anything out about him having a bad performance, they will come at you like no one else uh, on social media. But I've never seen it, and the, the statistics uh, are there for themselves. He averages a goal every 3.5 games, and for a centre forward, for a team that should have the ambitions of getting back to being the best in world football. He's just not good enough. And I think he's fell well down the pecking order that we've had to go to get Ronaldo, who is a brilliant player, but 37 years old uh, coming up. We shouldn't be needing that. Or Cavani again, 34-year-old. He's not as good as Rashford, Greenwood. So for his career sake, it's the best thing. I don't think he'll be missed. I think that it may be the summer when we find somewhere for him to go because I don't think anyone's going to be forthcoming with, with the monies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the transfer window is open this weekend. So Marshall FC, if you've got a bit of money, if you've got yourself a big, rich backer, then you can go for it. The ultimate signing for Marshall FC could be Anthony Martial joining them in January. Right, we're going to call it there, guys, for this edition of the Football Social Daily. And Dave, as always, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, all the best for 2022. Thank you very much and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.
Great stuff, guys. Much appreciated. Happy New Year to you both. As I mentioned before the break, we at FSD are here every day, right the way through the festive period, all the way up to and including the New Year. So don't forget, hit subscribe, and you can get access to a brand new show as soon as it's ready. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, right the way across the board, Spotify, Apple, CastBox, the whole shebang. Just hit subscribe, and you'll be good to go. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.